come to the second reading of the Holy Scripture this morning, which is also our scripture text, Luke chapter 23, verses 26 through 31. That's on page 884 of the Pew Bible in front of you. Our series through the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23, verse 26 through 31. And as they led Jesus away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and the hills cover us. For if they do these things, when the wood is green. What will happen when it is dry? The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for all you did in the Lord Jesus Christ to make clear and available the forgiveness that we have already enjoyed throughout this worship service. But now, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand this text and to help us to understand what Jesus has for us to hear. And may it guide us to action. May it produce in us the right kind of tears. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Imagine that you're on the hill called Golgotha, uh, the place of the skull. It's the place where Jesus was crucified. And imagine you're standing on this hill where Jesus is being taken to be crucified. And you look out in the distance and you see a crowd of people approaching. Who is in that crowd? See, this is where Luke takes us in our text this morning. He has told us of how Jesus was betrayed, how in the eyes of the law, according to Pontius Pilate, he was declared innocent. And yet, nevertheless, Jesus is being taken to be crucified for the sins of the world. And as Jesus is led there, uh, we hear a final exchange before he reaches the cross. And we see this crowd start to gather and start to, uh, to be in place as Jesus is taken to the cross. Who is in that crowd? Well, first of all, Roman soldiers. You see the Roman soldiers, they for obvious from the way they dressed, and they were leading the way, carrying out the, the demands of Pontius Pilate that this one who is yet innocent must be crucified. And right behind the Roman soldiers who are leading the way is Jesus. Crown of thorns on his head, 
He has just been beaten, scourged. If you know anything about crucifixion, the bloodiest and most awful thing about crucifixion was not so much the cross, being up on the cross. It was the completely horrific scourging that came before you made it to the hill. Some people would have died already before they, they, they even started on the path up the hill towards the place of the skull. But there is Jesus. He's been beaten and he limps along. And right behind him is his third man in the crowd, Simon of Cyrene. He was making his way through Jerusalem. We heard that he was coming in from the country when Jesus finally gets to the point where he just can't carry the crossbeam on his shoulders any longer. Think about that, where, where he must be physically. To not even be able to take another step with, with the beam of the cross over his shoulders. And so the Roman soldiers grab a hold of this man who just happens to be passing through the country. His name is Simon of Cyrene. And they say, well, you carry, you carry the crossbeam to Golgotha. Now, it's really interesting here that uh, Simon of Cyrene is in the crowd. We wonder, why did Luke mention him? And one of the main reasons is remember what Luke is all about. He's giving us a gospel in which he says, I want you to know for sure that these things happened. And Simon of Cyrene really solidifies that. It really puts that in place because it's a name. He is a name that people who are receiving this gospel would know. In fact, you, you look over to Mark's gospel and Mark intentionally mentions that Simon of Cyrene had two sons, Rufus and Alexander. And those sons were Christians. They were believers that people receiving this gospel would have known. And so well, what is it? What does it do when they hear Simon of Cyrene carry the cross of Jesus? It would, it would be like this. It would be like hearing, I know people who can testify to this. I know, I personally know people and names of people who can, who can tell me that this is real. This really happened. So, so that's what, what is happening with Simon of Cyrene. But there's one other thing. It really solidifies the tragic nature of what's going on here. It is something to be pitied that Jesus can't even carry his own crossbeam. He is so bloodied and bruised and broken. And so the final cast of characters make their way into the crowd, and that's the daughters of Jerusalem who are there to mourn over Jesus. It's very common in some cultures for mourning to be done this way. You know, here in America, um, North America, we're very stoic. We often, in the face of death, we, we will shed a tear, but largely we, we stand strong and unmoved. But in many other countries, there's a way of expressing grief over, over a bloody sight like this, and it is to wail and to mourn. And sometimes they even paid people to do this, to follow Jesus to the, uh, a person like Jesus to a cross or, or, or to the place where they're to be buried. So here you have the mourners who are not, not in this case paid to, to mourn, but in this case are so moved by the tragic nature of what they've seen that they follow Jesus to the cross, crying loud wails and gasps. And it's what Jesus says to this crowd, and especially to the mourners, 
that helps us to understand what we're supposed to do when we hear about the tragedy of the cross. We're going to be hearing over the next two weeks leading up to Easter about the tragedy of the cross. But Jesus doesn't want us to walk away without really understanding what we're to make of it. There's something he wants us to get. And that's why he turns and he speaks to these mourners, these daughters of Jerusalem. Listen carefully to what he has to say. We're going to hear, first of all, the warning, the Christ serious warning that he gives them. And then the second thing we're going to hear is our sincere response, the kind of response of a sincere heart that responds to what Jesus says in this passage. Well, let's look at this warning because it's the main thing that just jumps off of this text. Jesus turns to the women who are wailing and uh, laying out this funeral dirge on the way to the cross. And what does he say? Stop. Don't weep for me. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Weep for your children. Right there in verse 28. Now, sometimes Jesus says shocking things. And this is one of them. What do you mean, Jesus, that they shouldn't weep for you? Why are, why are you telling them not to cry over what they're saying? Because it's a very natural thing that these women would be crying for Jesus. It's a very natural thing that when you see the kind of thing you see as Jesus is walking to the cross, that you would, you would weep. I think many of us would weep if we saw this kind of torture happening to anyone. Jesus is a sorry sight, a miserable sight. He's been flogged within an inch of his life. He's been beaten and bruised and mocked and spat on. He's so weak he can't even carry his own crossbeam. It's a real tragedy right in front of people's eyes. And he says, don't weep for me. Come on, Jesus, show a little appreciation. They're crying for you. But Jesus understands something that they don't. He sees As the perfect prophet, something that is going to happen, something that is even more tragic to to cry about. Did you notice that Jesus doesn't tell them, hey, stop crying. You know, you just, you need to stop wailing. No, he says, you're not crying about the right thing. And you need to know that. It's so important to Jesus that he stops, broken and bruised as he is, he stops and he utters these words. On his way to the cross, out of all the things he could be thinking about, it's so important to Jesus to let them know, you're crying about the wrong thing. You should be crying for yourselves, not for me. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about something that would happen within 40 years of his crucifixion. Something that is coming upon Jerusalem, upon these women, upon their children. And we've heard of it seven times now in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has been bringing it up so we know it's going to happen. It's the judgment that is about to come upon Jerusalem. The punishment from God that is about to come down upon Jerusalem in 70 AD. The year 70 AD. See, Jesus sees it all before it happens. He sees that in just... 
40 years, within one generation, all hell will break loose upon the city that is crucifying him. Roman soldiers would surround Jerusalem because they've just had one too many rebellions break out in the city. And they would, they would form their ranks around the city, allowing no one in or out. And they would start to starve the people. And as that would happen, Josephus, um, the historian Josephus tells us that mass chaos broke out in the city. Violence, looting like you've never seen. Mothers had to make awful decisions regarding their children. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, blessed are those who have no children. You say, in what kind of world is that true? You know, we, 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 we know that children are a blessing from the Lord. In what kind of setting must it be where to have a child and to be nursing that child is actually a curse? Well, in a time like this, when judgment comes upon the city of Jerusalem and suddenly we again, we hear from the historians at that time that mothers had to decide whether they would live or whether they would take the lives of their children so that they could live or so whether their children would live or whether they would take the lives of their children so they would live. Horrible decisions. You would never want anyone to have to even think about that, would you? And yet that's the kind of circumstance that came upon Jerusalem where people cried out, hills cover us. Make my miserable life end right now. Just like in Hosea chapter 10 that we read, mountains fall on me, hills cover me. See, this is a horrible, horrible tragedy that is about to come upon Jerusalem. It's like the cross of Golgotha impressed upon an entire city. 100,000 crucifixions set up in 70 AD. That's what it's like. And Jesus knows that all of this is not just some tragedy that happens to take place. He knows that all of this is coming against a people that have rebelled against God. As the Roman soldiers flank the city and circle the city to put down a rebellion, he knows what this really is, is God putting down a rebellion against him. You see, God sent forth in Jesus Christ his offer of peace. He was saying, this is the way to be reconciled to me. Believe in this Messiah, trust in him. And you will be spared from the wrath to come. And that's what happened to many Christians in 70 AD. They, because they believed in Jesus and took his warnings seriously, they, at the earliest signs of, of, of the coming judgment, they took off and fled the city. But those who remained were those who had rejected God's warning, rejected God's offer of peace. And so his punishment, his judgment comes down This is so much that, to take in. That Jesus, Jesus wept over this. Did you, you remember that? When Jesus was entering Jerusalem, he looked over the city and, and at the first glance of it, he started crying. Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. And 
And now he turns to the daughters of Jerusalem and he says, you're weeping for the wrong person. Don't weep for me. Weep for you and your cities and your, and your children that reject my offer of peace. And friends, we need to hear the warning, the serious warning from Jesus today. Because we have more to weep over than any generation. Have you thought about that? You know, social media just gives us 100,000 reasons to weep. Every tragedy that's happening around the world is just right at our fingertips and we see it. You know, what's happening in Ukraine, the rising uh, suicide rates, you, you, you name it. They are tragedies and things to weep over. But who is weeping over our tragic situation before God? Is anyone weeping over the judgment that is coming? Because Jesus says this, I mean, you, friends, this isn't from me. You can't read your Bible without hearing this. That what happened in Jerusalem 40 years after Jesus was just a picture, a wake up call. That there is a judgment that is going to sweep over the whole world on the last day when Jesus returns. And anyone who rejects Jesus's offer of peace now. Is only going to experience horrible tragedy that comes upon them. Not because God is a bully or, or mean, but because God gives us over to what, to what we want and to what we deserve as rebels. Rebels who say, I don't want to live the way you want, that you call me to live. I want to live according to my own kingdom. I want to live according to my own laws. So we need to hear this warning from Jesus that our, our world often we cry over over things that we should cry about. But the things that we really should cry about, we don't shed a tear over. The sins of our nation. Our rebellion against God. This is what really the message of the cross it's one, it's one angle of the cross. That when we see the cross, it should be a kind of wake-up call that this, this is the kind of tragedy that sin deserves. That's the kind of tragedy that falls on God's wrath and God's judgment and God's punishment against rebels. That's what the cross shows us. And that's actually what Jesus tells us um, here in this parable in verse 31, he says this, for if they do these things when the wood is green, what will they do? What will happen when it is dry? If they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now, what is Jesus talking about there? It's a parable. It's, it's, a, it's a, a word picture. And what Jesus is saying is this, that he is that green tree. Now, if you know anything about a living green tree, any Boy Scouts here in the room, anyone who likes to build a fire, there's one thing, one rule about a fire is, look, you don't want to throw in the living and the green stuff, right? The other day I tried to do that and it doesn't burn well because it's not supposed to be burned. It's not meant to be burned. 
What do you want to burn in the fire? The dried out old twigs and branches. And what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, look at what's happening to me. Look at me as I am nailed to the cross. I am the innocent one, the one who does not deserve to die. And yet it is the father's will to put me on the cross. You see, if God did not spare his innocent and beloved son on the cross, then how will he spare sinners who reject him? What will happen to those old and dry uh, branches that reject Jesus? That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, when you look at the cross, you need to understand that what you're seeing here, seeing here will fall upon you if you do not embrace this offer of peace. What does our world, what does our world so often do with the cross? The world hears about the cross of Christ and says, well, that's really sad. You know, I pity Jesus. They have movies about Jesus on his way to the cross uh, that just you know, really try to stir up how sad you should be for him. Um, and what often happens during this season, you know, called Passion Week, we're coming up on, you know, you pull out the black, um, black robes and put ashes on your forehead and you weep and you have stations of the cross in which you walk away, you're silent and sad over what happened to Jesus. But Jesus is saying, look, if you see the cross and you hear about the cross and your response is just to say, that's really sad. What a tragic thing that happened to Jesus. Then you're missing the entire point because the cross isn't there just for you to be sad for Jesus. No, the cross is there as a wake-up call for you to, to hear the message and then to ask, well, what will happen to me if I don't make peace with a perfect God? If God put his own son on the cross as, as a peace treaty with sinners, what will happen to me if I reject that peace treaty? And the cross says, tragedy, tragedy. You know what the most tragic thing is about the cross? This is the tragedy of the cross, friends. Someone looks at it, hears about what happened to Jesus, and then walks away and says, yeah, that's a really sad story. It's a really sad story. And yet they don't, nothing changes. They weep over Jesus but they don't weep over themselves. You see, that's what we need to see here. We need to see that Jesus is impressing upon us a sincere response. He wants us to have a sincere response. And what is that response? Jesus doesn't want you to feel sorry for him. Jesus doesn't just want you to pity him. Jesus doesn't just want you to cry over him. Jesus wants you to repent. He wants you to turn away from a life of sin and a life of rebellion against him. And he wants you 
to find peace with God before it's too late. This isn't the kind of sermon I would you know, naturally preach. I want you to hear that. You know, I'm not a, I'm not up here enjoying this. Um, it's not the kind of thing that I get glee out of saying. I'm just, I'm, I'm preaching what I see in the Word of God before me. That if you really understand the cross, that you won't just be sorry for Jesus and sad about what happened to Him but you will surrender your life to him. That's what this is all about. See, the daughters of Jerusalem, Jesus doesn't turn and talk to them, you know, just to put them down and say, hey, stop crying for for me. Cry for yourselves. They're, They're not cruel words. They're compassionate words. Jesus is so moved out of pity for them that they're missing the moment. They're missing the point that he, you know, out of the, one of the last things he does with the last inch of life he has is he turns to them and he says, don't get this wrong. Don't miss this. Don't waste your tears on me. I'm going to the cross to accomplish salvation. But if you don't weep over your sins now, you're going to weep when the judgment of God comes upon them. See, here's the beauty of the cross. This is what ultimately makes this a message of compassion and love and care. That the cross, which warns us that God must punish sin. He must deal with rebellion. He's a holy and perfect God who cannot just turn a blind eye to people who who say, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want your savior. I want to live my life. God can't. Tolerate that according to his very nature. And so the cross warns us that God must punish sin, but the cross also upholds that only way of peace with God. Because friends, Jesus went to the cross and he threw himself into the fire of God's wrath as that living and green stick, who, the innocent one who did not deserve to die. So that what? So that old dry sticks like us would be spared from the fire if we believe in the name of Jesus. You see, friends, there is hope that tragedy will not befall us. It's only if we put our hope in the tragedy of the cross that we will escape the tragedy to come. And so I really want us to think about this. You know, as we, we're going to start to hear our, our world around us Uh, for good reasons, start to talk about Jesus in this season. And they're going to talk about his life and his death and how horrible it was that he died on a cross. And we're going to hear people say, talk about um, books they've read about crucifixion. And what we need to do is not wallow in that tragedy with them, but we need to, to say to them, you know, friend, that really is tragic. What happened to Jesus was awful. But can I tell you about an even worse tragedy that Jesus wanted us to see is the tragedy of seeing the horrors of the cross, but then walking away unchanged, not believing in him. You've never surrendered to the Savior and said, Jesus, I, I give up living life according to my rules. I give up trying, trying to avoid the judgment to come. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. I bow my knee to you. If you've never done that, 
Here are some words. Here are some words you can use to surrender to Jesus, to weep for the right kinds of things, to heed his warning. Jesus, I'm sorry that you had to die on the cross. I'm sorry that you had to pour out your life. But I'm even more sorry for my sins. I'm even more sorry for my rebellious way of life that put you on that cross. I'm sorry that you had to go to that extent to bring peace with God to me. And so, Jesus, I believe, I I trust, I surrender everything that is mine to you. And I ask you, Lord, to save me from the wrath to come. Because what you did on the cross alone can do that. You took the wrath on the cross so that I can have freedom and joy and blessing to come. So Jesus, humble my heart. Make me willing and able and ready to weep over my sin. And to follow you. Amen. We come to the time of the Lord's Supper.